Welcome to the Wire Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James Baca. I'm here to tell you Wire Bank does in fact suck very much. As of right now, 2,141 amazing followers at Bank Better Guy. Thank you so very much for that. I really do appreciate that. It's amazing. We've gone from just under 2,000 to about 2,150 in a couple of weeks. And that just goes to show you what a volatile new situation it is. It tells you that a lot of people are at home, of course, with coronavirus uh, worries all around us, all around the world. Um, I really am glad that a lot of you are taking to Twitter to see what I do, to see my work, to see my project, and um, clicking on play on the podcast. I really, I, for the bottom of my heart, I do appreciate it. Uh, I've said it before on the podcast, a lot of you may know already who listen. Hey, every time you click play on a podcast, it's like two and a half cents for me. So uh, two and a half cents more in my pocket, uh, 100 plays gets me a burger from Burger King. So thank you so much for that. Um, of course, times are tight as they've been for the last year and a half since being unemployed uh, by Bank of America. But I'm resilient. I'm feeling good. Um, this situation with uh, coronavirus in the last couple of weeks has really motivated me to to hunker down and write. And I've been doing a lot of writing. It's made me do so much tweeting. Um, I actually got limited by Twitter and how many things I can like and retweet and comment on yesterday because we had such a crazy day yesterday and we're going to talk about that in the podcast i had mentioned in the previous podcast that i would have details about bank of america's plan to help people with this coronavirus situation um it had just come out as i hit um send on the podcast um last thursday or friday i forget when it was and I had time to look at it, and it looked good at first, but seeing the after effects of what actually happened, um, guys, I gotta tell you, it's more Bank of America nonsense, and working there as I did for 13 years, I am well aware of what they're capable of and what they do. So I'm gonna talk about their proposal, um, it's a PDF uh, from their press room, and I'll link to it in the show notes so you can read it along with me if you like. And I'm gonna get into what they said, the subsequent calls and messages that I've received from followers, from listeners. I'm going to get into something that really upset me, and that was one of my Teller employee uh, followers in California had some bad news about the extra pay the Bank of America supposedly was giving everyone who works in the branch. Believe me, I know where this story was going as soon as he told me something was wrong. And um, also, um, right after this brief promotional consideration, I just want to tell a quick story that just popped up earlier today from the former CEO of Wells Fargo. Now, this is, I mean, to me, all CEOs are kind of shady, all the big ones anyway. You know, some people genuinely like their job, but, you know, Brian Moynihan, and of course, you got Stumpf, and you got Timothy Sloan, and now you got Charlie Sharp at Wells Fargo. Um, but there was a previous Wells Fargo CEO who left the company just before the 2008 crisis. And um, in the midst of all this coronavirus things um, that have been coming up, he made a quote to a business magazine. And I didn't see the quote for a couple of days until someone has shared it to me. And now I'm pissed. And now I want to talk about it a little bit because it's really disconcerting. No matter what side of the aisle you fall on with what you think about what's going on with the virus, 
and whether you think everything we're doing in terms of self-quarantining is excessive or not. I mean, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to even try to speculate, but the people who aren't experts are the ones I like to talk the most, and that's really the thing that I don't like about social media, um, and I grew up with social media, and I love social media. It's given me everything that I wanted in life, including finding my wife. So I, I'm a big believer in it, but it just seems in the last couple of years, everyone has access to it, so now you get all these random, just horrible things said out loud, and it's just wrong. And of course, um, after this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to share with you what was said by an old Wells Fargo CEO in a, in a magazine that got shared on Wells Fargo Twitter, and oh my god, it's just it's just rough. And I really want you to to read the article, and I want you to hear me talk about it. So please stick around. All right, guys, we're back. So, you know, with everything that's been going on with coronavirus, there's a lot of things that have just popped up. You know, I, I've been so busy. I have gotten a record number of profile views in the last few days, somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen to 20,000 just in the last few days. That's amazing. I, I can't believe I have that much reach consistently you know people will see my tweet but they still have to click on my profile and see what i'm about and see everything and that's really cool it's really cool to see people try to understand you and understand where you're coming from even if they don't agree with me and lord knows i have a bunch of those people too so you know occasionally i'll get some messages from people saying hey did you see this or hey what does this mean and a lot of the times it's pretty cut and dry stuff or i've seen it already and i just haven't commented on it and, you know, usually I have something to say. I try to be funny. I try to be entertaining with these things that are inherently bummers, you know. And I went to go get lunch today after I donated plasma. My wife and I, you know, because she's working from home too. So we went to go get lunch, um, brought it back home. And then I get this message from a follower saying, hey, did you see what this Wells Fargo guy said? And um, I saw the the image of the quote and I was like, Really? And I, I, I just couldn't fathom that someone could actually say that. And, I mean, frankly, the fact that he worked for Wells Fargo, I guess it's pretty par for the course. So let me get into it. So I got shared a quote that was supposedly, and it is from Business Insider magazine. Um, it's from um, an interview with a gentleman named Richard Kovacevic. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Well, even if I didn't, screw you. I really don't want to even address you by name at this point. Um, former Wells Fargo CEO. Now, you know, Wells Fargo's had a lot of stuff. They had the Dirty Money Netflix thing. I want to do a podcast about that still. You know, they had all these issues that had happened in the last 10 years. I was a witness to it. We had a Wells Fargo across the street from Bank of America. I banked at Wells Fargo for over 20 years um, since they were Norwest Bank um, here in New Mexico. So, I mean, I'm familiar with the processes of of Wells Fargo the way that it is and the way that it has been. I've also worked with about three co-workers who went on to have what is my role at Wells Fargo. So they were part of the overselling. They were part of that culture. So they, they can tell me firsthand that, hey, this place really sucks to work at, you know. And I never worked there, so I couldn't tell you. But seeing the Dirty Money episode just kind of rehashed everything in my brain about, hey, that's exactly how Bank of America is like. So I can imagine that you know, anyone who worked there had a bad experience who's not there, who's not a lifer, I guess. Because the people who are lifers at banks typically, I guess, have a thicker skin. Or, frankly, they're just gluttons for punishment, you know. I don't know. 
But this Business um, Insider article here has a picture of um, Dick Kovacevic in 2012, right after he had left um, Wells Fargo. Uh, a few years after that, I guess. And, of course, there's a lot of people out there, you know, the president saying he wants to get back to work by Easter and all that. And I, I don't have an opinion on that. I mean, if you guys do good or bad, I mean, go for it. It's America. You can voice your opinion. And I will fight for your right, even if I don't agree with you. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, he wants to do that. And you've heard some other people say that. There was um lieutenant governor of Texas on Fox News who said something very similar about hey, we need to get back to work. I don't want this economy to sputter. And, I, you know, yes, there's a risk and this and that. And Twitter just, you know, blew him up a few days ago. And that was, I, like I said, it wasn't really bank-related, so I didn't really want to comment on anything, especially with my account, because that's just not what I'm about, guys. But, you know, it seems to me that a lot of people who believe that type of stuff fit a certain profile. I'm just saying it that way, you know, like I said, whether you agree with it or not. So... Dick Kovacevic was talking to Business Insider here, and, you know, I'll, I'll read a few paragraphs of it. I really don't want to read the whole thousand-word thing here, because it's just it's just wrong, I guess. I don't know. There's no other way to say it. But the Business Insider article, let me cite who actually uh, wrote this here. I don't even know. Isaac Schur wrote this uh, a couple days ago. And uh, let me read it here. It says, The coronavirus crisis in the United States is only just beginning, but it's not too early for some Americans to flout social distancing and isolation guidelines and return to work, according to some executives. Dick Kovacevic, the former CEO and chairman of Wells Fargo, told Bloomberg News that healthy workers under the age of 55 should return to work in April, even if the outbreak is controlled, saying that, quote, some may even die with his plan. And then here's his quote. He says, we'll gradually bring those people back and see what happens. Some of them will get sick. Some may even die. I don't know, said Kovacevic, a current executive at Cisco and Cargill. Do you want to suffer more economically or take some risk that you'll get flu-like symptoms and a flu-like experience? Do you want to take an economic risk or a health risk? You get to choose. Now, there's a lot of things wrong with that, okay? So, I'm a baby when I have the flu. It's miserable. I'm miserable. Everything about life is miserable when I have the flu. So the fact that someone says, oh, yeah, it's just the flu or whatever, man, that sucks. I hate, I hate being sick. I don't want to be sick. So when you say, hey, go to work and have the flu, I've done that many times over the years. Over the years, I have laced up my bootstraps, you know. I, I didn't have boots. I had dress shoes. Laced up my dress shoes and went to work, and I was miserable. I was pale. I could barely talk. I was coughing, sneezing. My stomach hurt. And I had to go, hey, welcome to Bank of America. My name is James Baca. I'm a relationship manager. How can I assist you today? And meanwhile, I'm dying. I just want to crap and vomit and just just literally just lay there and just be miserable. That's how bad I felt. But, hey, we should open up the My Access checking account with a complimentary savings account. And we could do a scheduled transfer of $25 a month every third of the month. I mean, that was me. And I went through that. I did not miss a day of work the last six years. Dick Kovacevic would love me. My back hurt. I couldn't, I couldn't even sit down. I was, like, crying every time I'd have to sit down. And then when i get home, I would have to lay on my belly because I was in so much pain that I could not sit down on the couch. Still went to work. I didn't call in. I got sent home once, but, um, yeah, I went to work. So, Dick Kovacevic, hey, you would love James Baca. He'd be an amazing banker because, 
hey, you know what? He doesn't he doesn't cry. At least he doesn't cry externally. He cries internally about how sick that he is. But, you know, the, the thing about this is it's the great unknown. You know, the president likes to say it's the invisible enemy, you know, and when I when he says invisible enemy, I, I take it a lot differently than what he says. It's invisible in the sense that, hey, we don't have, you know, truly a vision of what this can be. Could it be nothing? Hey, it might be nothing. It might be a, a huge overreaction. 80,000 people infected, say, otherwise as of today, March 27th. But it could very well be one of the biggest things in life. It can impact life the way as we know it. I mean, there's no sports till summer, for God's sakes. That you know everything's canceled. Every graduation, we're not going to restaurants. We're not going to gyms. You know, we're not even seeing people except at the grocery store. And even then, we don't want to see them. You know, it's a crazy world out there. But it totally rings true for a banker, much less a bank that um, has banks open. You know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. These are essential services. These, so these people are at work already. So he's not talking about them because they have to work and they're being told to work and they're being forced to to work against their will in places that might get them sick to be quite honest with you but for him to say yes some will get sick and some may even die you know it's not vegas you know it's not gonna be hey i might win or i may lose you know it doesn't matter no this is a controllable thing you know the way that america and the world reacts to sending people back to work is going to be a really really huge thing now like i said you know political differences aside from all the people who listen to my podcast we got to understand that hey this is a pretty big news story this is something that a lot of people don't know a lot about and yes i will agree 100 percent there's a lot of talking heads on TV. There's a lot of people who claim to know more than they really do, and that goes for both sides. And I get tired of it too. It's really depressing. I've been watching a lot of uh, pro wrestling um, archive stuff on the WWE Network. That's just how depressed I've been uh, with TV the last few days. But whenever you're a CEO and you had a couple hundred thousand employees and you say, well, yeah, we'll send them to work. Some may get sick, some may die, some may get robbed. You can't you can't do that whenever you're a CEO. You got to be the model of consistency. Whenever you say something like that, even in jest, even with a bunch of other millionaires and billionaires who really don't care if someone lives or dies, then that's that's just wrong, you know. But he said it to he said it to Bloomberg News. You know, he sent it said it to Bloomberg News. It was in Business Insider magazine. It's there and what happened was Yashar Ali, writer from the Huffington Post, you know, really Big time person on Twitter, I um, see his followers. I see how how viral his posts get because that's how I saw this um, Dick Kovacevich thing, and I was just like, wow! Like I see, I I understand now how it is. You know, I understand the vitriol that people have whenever they see someone say something like this, and it's it's not helpful. You know, it's it it really isn't. Um, there's a story. Um, with vice by a man by the name of aaron calvin and um what's funny about aaron calvin was about four months ago he did kind of a profile of this really goodwill person in the state of iowa by the name of carson king who was uh raising money for a children's hospital he raised three million dollars for a children's hospital in iowa and all he wanted was a case of beer or something. And he had a sign that was on a college football show. 
and it turned into this charity drive that ended up getting $3 million for a children's hospital. And the writer, Aaron Calvin, said, hey, you know, we looked into his social media doing a background check, and he said some vulgar things as a high schooler 10 years ago. Let's call him out on that. What did he say? And it basically ruined this Carson King's, like, life. I mean, this is a dude who's donating $3 million to charity. And because he was quoting, you know, rap lyrics, he was, like, the worst person in the world. But funny enough, whenever he published that profile, Carson King, the person in question, actually just said, hey, you know, I apologize. And then people started Twitter bombing the writer, Aaron Calvin, who had some questionable things in his Twitter past the N-word and among other things. And he got fired from his job as a reporter. And I just remember just reading the article about Carson, and I got so mad. And I used my personal Twitter account to just blast this Aaron Calvin, saying, you're ridiculous. You just make me sick, you know. I love the media. I love I love how hard these people work because it's not a lot of money. It's a lot of hard work. I was like, I can't believe you did that. It's just disgusting, whatever. So all of a sudden, I just recognized the name three months later, and he does a story about Wells Fargo call centers. And hopefully I can get to it in a future podcast, but it was on Vice, and it was basically saying, hey, Wells Fargo call centers are just petri dishes for coronavirus because they don't clean them, despite the fact that they said in some statement that they're doing professional cleaning. There's people who are terrified. There's people who are being forced to quit or being forced to use their sick leave because they're just so scared of getting sick. And it's 250 people right on top of one another. And they're just horrible and evil people for that. So yeah, that's Wells Fargo in a nutshell. And Aaron Calvin brought that part of it out. But this Kovacevic guy was uh, CEO when times are amazing at Wells. This is when Jim Cramer of CNBC was just kissing his ass, kissing Wells Fargo's ass, saying they're making billions of dollars and they're making nothing but good decisions. This was before the bubble burst for the banks in 2008. So Kovacevic wrote a lot of success. He didn't really have to deal with a lot of the bad stuff that his um, successor had to deal with and the one after that as well. So he's in a place where he kind of got off scot-free, in my personal opinion, from anything that happened with Wells, despite the fact it was going on under his watch too. People just kind of pick uh, Timothy Sloan more than anything. But to say about you know just workers in general which includes 200,000 uh employees in the company that you work for saying yeah you know we, we gotta start this some are gonna get sick some are gonna die but we gotta we gotta turn the switch on for america that's just really tone deaf and this makes me just grossed out you know and um keith oberman one of the people i looked up to in terms of the way that he narrates you know television you know, he used to have this segment called The Worst Person in the World. Man, he'd be the worst person in the world for me today, just seeing that. You can't put lives at jeopardy for something you don't know about yet. And that's the beef that I have with banks. You know, the beef that I have with banks staying open. After all the 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 phoniness of saying, hey, everyone's using mobile banking, everyone's using ATMs. Well, if they are, why are you still open in the branch? Because it's all about sales is what it's all about. I, I want to believe that banks are there to help people, but to me, it just sounds like, hey, get back to work, because if businesses aren't open, people aren't going to a bank to open up business accounts. Do you know what I mean? So whenever you know the local taco shop across the street from Wells Fargo isn't open, well, that taco shop owner is likely not going to go across the street to Wells Fargo and say, hey, you know... I need a business credit card because, you know, buying 500 pounds of taco meat every week is just really, really, you know, hard to do when it's a cash business. 
And that's how you develop a relationship. So that's what Kovacevic was saying, you know. But he, you know, maybe he didn't mean it that way. Maybe he's not the coldest asshole in the world saying, hey, some people are going to die. So let's just get over it, essentially. But he could have been more articulate with it instead of saying, hey, some may live, some may die. And say, hey, you know what? Eventually, we're going to need the economy to be back up. Because, you know, a business such as my former company, Wells Fargo, they rely on helping the small business customers with their needs. And yes, there is a sales element to that. We also need that as well. But the fact of the matter is, if we're an essential part of the community, we know that in order for the community and the economy to become strong again, while this essential part of the community has to say, hey, we got to leave by example and we all got to get to work. I think... I still kind of wouldn't agree with it if he said it that way, but he wouldn't have sounded like an asshole otherwise. But when you just basically throw it out there, saying yeah, some people are going to die, well, you know, that's the way that I used to justify um, flying. I used to have this fear of flying. And, you know, I used to get on Southwest Airlines flights, and I used to read the stats and say no person has ever died on a Southwest Airlines flight because of a uh, an accident or an incident that happens with the planes. That streak was unfortunately broken last year when someone from my home state of New Mexico died. So there's only been one person ever in 43 years. I'm like, man, those are good odds. I'm like, that's really, really good odds. I'm like, hey, I like my chances. You know, one passenger out of probably hundreds of millions, if not billions of times, people have sat down in a Southwest flight and flown to and from somewhere. That's pretty damn amazing, you know what I mean? So the mentality of what he said is fine because I, you know... I'm a gambler, and I believe some people have to win, some people have to lose. But you don't just say, hey, some are going to live and some are going to die, especially for, you know, bullshit jobs that are $10 an hour, $12 an hour, that you made $10,000 an hour as a CEO, you know what I mean? So you can't you can't kind of equate it because it's just not a fair equation, and it's just wrong, Mr. Kovacevic. So I, I, I say shame on you for the comment, and I just wanted to talk about it on here because... I used to think that I was a valuable member of Bank of America's team when I worked at a branch. They, you know, I always used to say it's kind of an abusive relationship when you work for a bank because they make you feel like you're so needed to be a part of the team. But whenever a family member dies or gets sick, then you get the third, you know, get the third degree. You know, like I that's why I got scared from having kids for the longest time while working at a bank is because, you know, say, "Hey, my little daughter just, you know, started vomiting at preschool. I got to go pick her up." Oh, well, is your wife available to do that? Because, you know, you got that 3 o'clock appointment for Mr. So-and-so with a home equity loan. Shut the hell up. That's the way bankers think, though. So that banker mentality of, hey, you can't miss out. You're going to not hit your goal, and we're not going to get funding, and you're not going to let me get a boat, and you're not going to let me go to Hawaii. I mean, that pressure is on there all the time. So he, he was talking with the Wells Fargo pressure in mind. So... I'm not going to say, hey, you're like the worst person in history, but you're not looking good this week, my friend. Um, one thing before I go to the next subject, which is the one I wanted to talk about, which is Bank of America's um, amazing proposal, and I'm rolling my eyes as I say that, um, for people to defer payments, is that um, Kovacevic, you know, he left Wells Fargo 12 years ago, 13 years ago, and he has his hand in a lot of um, things, such as Cargill and Cisco. He's an executive there. I'm sure he's making millions of dollars. But he also was an investor for a company called Theranos. I think it's pronounced Theranos. It could be Theranos. But I've read so many stories about this company over the years. 
And um, let's just put it this way. There's a documentary about how much they were scamming people. <laughs> um, there's a, It was on HBO. It was called The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And it's about this doctor by the name of Elizabeth Holmes and how she kind of just bilked everyone. Um, Kovacevic was um, an investor in that. He was kind of part of that. And it's been out for about a year or so. And God, just talking about how they were raising up millions, if not billions of dollars of capital. And it was just all swindle. It was all a swindle. And there was all this stuff to where, hey, guess what happened? You know, people lost money. People were being duped by this person who was just a scam artist. And you think of someone as strong and as risk-averse as Kovacevic, a Wells Fargo executive, getting kind of tied into that. It makes you wonder about, hey, is it really true? Do these people really, really um, believe in the code of ethics that they are taught whenever they work at a bank? Because I, I, I saw that, and I'm just like, really? <laughs> this can't be right. And, and yeah, he had his hand in that, too. So it takes a special kind of someone to be involved with um, entities that rip off people or entities that just provide bad customer service because you do have to sleep at night. I did have problems sleeping at night whenever some bad decisions uh, were made by Bank of America that I had to enforce on my customers. So, you know, I'd like to think that Mr. Kovacevic has a good heart, but whenever you say in a in a media company that, hey, some people got to die, but we got to get this economy going, it's just the worst sound in the world and you really shouldn't say that you know i just i wanted to share it because it is just just gross i'm gonna link to the article in the show notes so you can read for it yourself it's also on my twitter account at bank better guy um, but after this brief promotional consideration i may go crazy in a little bit because i have a bank of america rant about the supposed help that they're giving to customers so please please stick around Hello, Wired Bank Sucks listeners. This is James, the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the Notorious Banker's fight against bad banking. What will your patronage do? You'll allow the Notorious Banker to continue fighting for tens of thousands of people who share their issues monthly with big banks on social media. I reach out and assist those bank customers myself. Big banks are ignoring customers, charging crazy unnecessary fees, and refusing to work with them. The Notorious Banker gives clients the tools to bank better and fight back. The Notorious Banker is a 13-year veteran of consumer banking with a knack for policy knowledge, fighting for your money, and helping your voice be heard at the highest levels of big banks when you're ignored. Yours truly has recovered over $550,000 since April 1st when it comes to unnecessary overdraft fees and monthly maintenance fees, claim reversals, and the like. With your Patreon membership, there are also opportunities to receive bonus podcasts and exclusive merchandise, but at least $1 can show amazing loyalty. Please donate today at patreon.com slash notoriousbanker and help support a banking revolution. All right, and I'm back. So, you know, a week after they made the announcement, I'm here with another podcast, and I wanted to wait, and I wanted to do a whole thing about, hey, this is how I think Bank of America is going to help, and this is how I think everything is going to be. I didn't want to do it too soon because I wanted to see it in action. I wanted to see them announce it the way that they did on all the news channels and everything last Thursday saying, hey, this is how we're going to help. 
and this is before coronavirus got really big, you know, so this was their initial thing. It's like, hey, we're going to give $100 million. Hey, good for you, Bank of America. If that $100 million goes towards um, entities that need it in this time of need, then good for you. High five. But then they rolled out after hours, of course, you know, like late afternoon Thursday. That way no one can really speculate on it during the business day and have a million questions for B of A help on Twitter, for example. You know, I looked at it. First glance, it looked all right, but I didn't want to talk about it yet because I was planning on recording the podcast the day after and then airing it on that Tuesday a couple days ago. I said, I want to see it in action. I want to see people request it and see what they get told because something just didn't strike me as normal with it. Um, I'm going to read it verbatim here, so it's going to sound like you're listening to an audible book for a while, so I do apologize for that. But it's really important. I'm going to stop whenever there's um, things to stop on that are important. So, um, first thing about Bank of America's press room newsroom, and this is more of a thing for me that I noticed, was about a couple of months ago, all of a sudden, hey, their press releases are both in English and in Spanish. It's fine by me. I live 30 miles from Mexico, and, you know, Spanish is just as important at Bank of America as English. But I just found it interesting that just all of a sudden started to do them in English and Spanish. I don't understand what the rationale was for that, but I noticed that little touch. And, you know, nothing bad against it. I just found it weird that they just started that all of a sudden. All right, so the name of the press release is Bank of America announces additional support for consumer and small business clients experiencing hardship from the impact of the coronavirus. That's a long title. I mean, you know, simplicity is not their strong suit there. So Bank of America today announced additional support for its 66 million consumer and small business clients in response to the unprecedented challenges of the coronavirus. The company is offering assistance to clients through its client assistance program and continuing to provide access to the most important financial service in which these clients rely. Here's a quote with my bank voice. Our clients rely on us every day and for every aspect of their financial lives, said Dean Athanasia, president of Consumer and Small Business at Bank of America. We're going to continue to provide convenient access to the important services they count on and the additional assistance and support they need during this difficult period. Our priorities are taking care of our team and each other and continuing to fulfill our fundamental roles serving our clients. Everything just sounds like Bank of America E to me. Important services, financial lives, financial health, priorities, assistance and support, fundamentals. I mean, all these words are just words that just were thrown around so much at Bank of America. When I see fundamentals in any other part of the world, I'm just like, oh, business fundamentals account for Bank of America. So here's the important stuff, and here's why I held off on the podcast until today. Because, I mean, the way that they word how they're going to help between you and me, it doesn't seem like they're helping at all. It, it really doesn't. It, 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 I'm whispering to you because I, I, want, I want you to be in on the secret. Not only do I think that they're not helping, I think they're kind of making it so vague that people are going to be surprised. People are going to hate them. People are going to find a way to leave or they're just going to like leave their house or their car. I, I really believe that, guys. From the bottom of my heart, I really believe that they worded this in such a way that people are going to be surprised about it. And they were surprised already. But in a couple of months, the you-know-what is going to hit the fan. So here it goes. Working on a case-by-case -case basis. Listen to that. 
as we've done in many other situations, including the government shutdown and natural disasters. Bank of America's additional assistance from clients impacted by the coronavirus includes... Here's the bullet points, and listen to my emphasis in some of these words. Consumer and small business deposit accounts. Clients can request refunds, including overdraft fees, non-sufficient funds fees, and monthly maintenance fees. Consumer and small business credit cards. Clients can request to defer payments and refunds on late fees. Small business loans. I've never seen a small business loan before, by the way. Clients can request to defer payments and refunds on late fees. Auto loans. Clients can request to defer payments with payments added on to the end of the loan. Mortgages and home equity. Clients can request to defer payments with payments added to the end of the loan. In all these instances, there will be no negative credit bureau reporting for up-to-date clients. We have also paused foreclosure sales, evictions, and repossessions. Well, good for you. As Bank of America teammates who work with clients are trained to identify and assist impacted clients and provide the right support to address their unique needs, clients facing, facing financial hardships related to the coronavirus are encouraged to visit the company's resources website and contact the client services team for assistance. So the whole working with clients to identify impacted clients, I mean, are they looking for people who are coughing? Are they looking for people who are six feet spread apart? I mean, we're all impacted here. So the wording of these press releases is the same as every Bank of America thing. It's like identifying those who are impacted. Well, everyone is. That's why they're asking. Like, who are you, the banker? Like, honestly, James Baca, the former banker, who am I to, to look at you and go, hmm, that tornado we had last week. Well, you're, you're smiling. You told a dirty joke to me, so... You know, I don't think you need assistance, you know. Most people would be more broken up about a tornado, so I'm sorry. I mean, what the hell is that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So, notice my inflection on the working on a case-by-case -case basis. And clients can request refunds, including overdraft fees. Clients can ask for refunds on late fees. Clients can request to defer payments. I can request to marry Lindsay Lohan tonight. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But I can request all I want. You know, I can call the radio station and say, hey, can you play Metallica 1 for me? Because I love Metallica and 1 is my favorite song. It just makes me want to headbang. Maybe the radio station already has their playlist and they don't have time for Metallica 1. It's a long song and the guy's leaving and another guy coming in for his shift and he's not going to heed my request. You know, I can request Burger King to put four patties in my Whopper because, you know, one patty's not that big. So can you put an extra three in there? And I don't want to be charged for it. I just, I just wanted more meat, you know. I mean, I can request that. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. The fact that it says clients can request refunds including overdraft fees, non-sufficient funds fees, and monthly maintenance fees tells me one thing. That they're going to try really freaking hard not to refund those fees. Bank of America is all about language, guys. Bank of America is all about how you say certain things. Um, I used to put up the rates uh, for mortgages and for auto loans and stuff. Uh, when it comes to, you know, the things on the board that we had, whenever we're offering a promotional rate on a car loan, I would say, hey, Mr. Johnson, just to let you know, for a new auto loan, we have rates as low as 2.99%. You know how often I got the 2.99% the rate for a Mr. Johnson or whoever? Never. I never got the rate that I put up on the board. And and why? Bank of America would say it this way. Well, you know, various factors um, 
were impacted whenever making this decision. You know, your credit history, your credit tenure, you know, loan to value. and Like, like you have all these things, and it's just so stupid because you have all these factors in there, but you can say as low as. So basically, the sign says, this is the bare minimum we could offer that we could possibly get to. We can't get to zero, but we can get to as low as 2.99. People look at that sign and go, hey, 2.99% for not a loan suite. Sign me up. And then they get a 7 and they flip you off in your office, basically. I mean, it's all about language, and it says that. And that's an auditing thing with Bank of America. Whenever um, they say, hey, quote an interest rate on a savings account. While the interest rate on the savings account is 0.03% with an annual percentage yield, an APY, of 0.03%. If you say, well, the interest rate 0.3 and uh, APY of 0.3, you're going to get written up. You're going to fail your audit. So banks are really big on language. So the first thing I saw in all those bullet points was clients can request. Now, here's the thing. If they were really serious about making life easier for customers, why? First of all, what customers are going to say, ah, no, you guys keep that $12. You guys do a good job. I mean, do they think that that extra 12 is going to go into like the coffee fund for the branch? No. It's going to go into some general ledger where there's a shit ton of money by Bank of America and... Um, they're going to hold on to it because they, they have no other use for it other than charging you. So I don't know why they say, hey, you can request your fees back. No, if you're going to be a leader, just give them the fees back. Just say, you know what, we're going to do a moratorium. We're just going to do 30 days where you can't get an overdraft fee. Um, we'll block your card if you're like $200 negative, but we don't want you to to freak out. We don't want you to have to spend money that you may not have for food or something next week. That's what it's about. So basically with Bank of America, you have to screw up, realize that you screwed up, get on the phone, request it, wait on hold longer, and then you're either going to hear a yes or a no. The thing with waiving fees with consumer customers, I'm just going to use as an easy example, is everything is based on their relationship. I mean, I've had people who have $10 in their account get their fees waived every month because hey they had big deposits they had um you know a home loan or they had other deposits elsewhere so bank of america kind of perceived them as a high-end client and i've seen people who get everything denied they have ten thousand dollars in their account but they have this one secondary checking account that was probably oversold to them that the gym membership is overdrafted a couple of times they're like yeah no past instances you overdraft Unfortunately, we can't uh, over. We can't refund this overdraft fee this time. That's what I'm gonna see. So I really think, and this is almost tinfoil hatty, you know, um, by me. This is gonna be an opportunity for them to piss a lot of people off that they don't want at Bank of America and say, hey, well, this guy has one account, has a hundred bucks in there, he doesn't have direct deposit. See, I can see his mobile deposit for his paycheck there. I mean, he's requested this before. Um, he has a credit card offer, but he always declines. Um, you know, you, should, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't refund him. Hey, Mr. Smith, um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to uh, refund your overdraft fee today, but I can show you and give you some tools on how to avoid these in the future. F you, Bank of America. You guys suck. I hate you. Click. Now that dude, that Mr. Smith's going to go to his branch 20 miles down the road. And say, I hate you assholes. I hate you guys. I want to close my account. You guys are ridiculous. I can't believe your bank did that to me. I'm, I'm going to go to another bank. This is it. This is the end right here. You guys suck. 
Meanwhile, the banker is just doing what Mr. Smith told him. Close the account. Hey, sir, anything else can help you with? I hate your bank. You guys could all die. <laughs> I've had instances like that. I know. And then that poor banker is going to get a survey. On a scale of 1 to 10, how was James Baca's performance for you in the center? Listen to Mr. Smith. I showed empathy. I gave him his, his form, and he left. One, I hate Bank of America's policies. It's the coronavirus, and you guys couldn't refund one simple fee. Everyone's sick. Everyone's poor. Everyone's broke. I didn't do anything wrong. Someone on the phone made the decision, and that person just happened upon my office. And the one time he got to take a survey, it was more about me than about Bank of America as a whole. And I get a one, and now I get a message from a manager. James, you know that Mr. Smith gave you a one. You really need to step up your customer service, James. You're bringing our score down, and it's impacting our quarterly funding. So please, please do better. Say Mr. Smith's name three times. Shake his hand. Look him in the eye. Make sure he walk him to the door whenever you're leaving. By the way, the door is like 100 feet from my freaking office. It's a long walk. It's a long, awkward walk, by the way. I used to hear that all the time. And I used to get, I used to get bad marks on my surveys for stuff that people did on the phone. The fact that you had to call is ridiculous. Because, yeah, people are home. People have the time to make these calls now. But on the Twitterverse in the last week, I have seen one hour, two hours, two and a half, three hours, four hour whole times to speak to Bank of America. There was also one person who was waiting for a car loan, something or other. Twelve hours. I swear to God. I have the screenshot. I will show it to you. This person waited twelve hours to talk to someone on the phone. I don't believe they talked to someone on the phone. Guys, it's unacceptable. And I really think Bank of America has kind of put this wall saying, hey, if you can jump over this wall, help is on the other side. And people don't want to climb it or people have a hard time climbing. And Bank of America is really complicit with all this stuff. It's just so wrong. Uh, the fact that they say, hey, you can request it. Just do it. Yes, you're going to lose some money in the short term. But guess you know what you do? You, you develop a loyal client base with that. Even if it's people you don't want, granted. But if you, there's people that you want in there... Like, look what Bank of America did. They gave everyone their overdraft fees back. They didn't charge any fees for using other banks' ATMs. Um, this coronavirus thing is scary, but we're really glad that Bank of America stepped up for it. No, they didn't. They just said that you can request it and doesn't say that you're going to, and they're going to case-by-case basis it. Okay, well, there's 66 million, 66 million customers. Not everyone gives a damn. Everyone has. Some people have money. Some people are broke, and they just see fees as a way of life let's just say one-sixth of the people um call bank of america okay one-sixth of the people that's 66 million people one-sixth of them is going to be 11 million people so let me type that in the old calculator here because i can't do math this fast in my head so 11 million people now there's 204,000 bank of america employees not all of them answer phones and do customer service. Some of them work as freaking IT people. Some people work as, you know, um, what do they call those? Those good hackers, like a good hacker, uh, an ethical hacker, whatever. <laughs> they, I mean, you have these people. They don't deal with customers. They're not answering the phone saying, hey, can you refund that check order fee that I did last Thursday? No, they don't do that. But let's just say every Bank of America associate was assigned one-sixth one-sixth of the calls not even everyone not even every customer but just 11 million customers and all 204,000 what I think is the number of employees um, answering the phones all at will that's 53 cases or 53.92 so 54 cases a person 
and you have to you have to theoretically analyze everything about them if they deserve a fee refund if they deserve a deferment on a mortgage or a loan you're going to analyze 54 people and go hmm I don't know about this person look at the 13th person I helped they were similar well now this person seems like they abuse the overdraft thing a lot you're really going to have all these people do that and like I said 204,000 is the amount of total employees there so Let's say it's even a fourth of that that are going to answer the phones that are going to interact with those 11 million. Then all of a sudden their caseload becomes like 200. And then you multiply it by the six to make 66 million customers to say every single customer called. 1,200 people roughly for all the uh, all the employees that you have. I mean, it's a lot of people. It's, a, it's, it's thousands of people per person on average that may call. So you know that a fraction of those people are only going to be the ones that talk to customers. So you're talking hour, two, three hour wait times. You're having people on Twitter saying, screw this, four hours, I'd rather just die. I'd rather just eat the fee than have to deal with waiting on hold for four hours. That's the decisions people make. There's, you know, like like I said, it's like saying, hey, well, there's a million dollars on the other side of this lake. Um, but you're going to have to swim the lake. And yeah, there are alligators in there. There are eels, there are water snakes in there. Um, you don't have any moment to spare. You can't stop. Um, if you need water, well, you're going to have to wait till you cross the river to get that. I mean, they put all these barriers in front of you in order to get the help that you need, in order to get the golden goose, you know. And that's just wrong. I mean, I saw this press release, and all I saw on CNBC and Fox News and um msnbc and cnn bank of america you know going to bat for coronavirus stricken customers no they didn't they gave them the same bullshit that they always do the same thing saying hey we we can talk about it we may be able to do something but no promises we can't really say we can or can't till we get deep into it so come on into the office the thing that pissed me off the most was the mortgage thing so clients can request to defer payments. Clients can request to defer payments with payments added to the end of the loan. Um, no, <laughs> that's not exactly how it works. So people called and they dealt with people who frankly, one, didn't know coronavirus was actually going on. I swear to God, I heard that 10 times on Twitter is the call center people didn't even realize what like a national epidemic this was. and didn't even realize that Bank of America was offering help this way. And secondly, the offers that they give was not deferring payments, at least in the sense that they mentioned in the bullet point. It says deferring payments added to the end of the loan. I mean, it's not added to the end of the loan. It just never moves. So the deferment that they're offering is saying, hey, you can take up to 90 days off, off three months, three payments, if you will. Um, and then once the deferment's over, uh, that'll be due after 90 days. So a lot of people thought that, hey, we'll just make my mortgage three months longer. So instead of... December 2025, it's going to be March 2026 when I get it done. Nope, still going to be December 2025. And in fact, three months from now, June 2020, your mortgage payment's $800. Well, um, you're going to owe us the three that you deferred plus the one that's due for, for June. So um, your $800 a month payment is going to be $3,200, and that's going to be due on June 27th. Um, anything else for that, we will consider it... Um, negative on your credit bureau and we can start foreclosure proceedings if you miss a payment again it's basically what they're saying pissed me off man so i had so many people on twitter saying why did they say that they were offering us to to move our payments to the end of the loan 
I was like, they didn't say that. Look at the word can. I kept on highlighting the word can to people. They're saying that people can request it, but it's a case-by-case basis. Now, do I think that there's some customers out there that are probably getting three to six months off willy-nilly and they don't have to pay that lump sum? Absolutely. You make exceptions for your top-tier customers, even in Vegas, you know make a million dollars off of one customer in Vegas, you're going to say, hey, do you want a 100-year-old scotch? Well, here you go. I'm going to go get it for you. I mean, you cater to those people because those are your bread and butter. To these average people who are getting denied these um, a pause, if you will, and Bank of America used that phrase too, and I don't agree with how it says. So basically pausing your next due bill and then restarting it when we're ready, and then just adding the months to the end of the loan. Bank of America's not doing that. Bank of America says, well, we'll give you some time, but you're going to have to be ready to pay four payments in three months. People aren't going to be able to do that. I really do believe this coronavirus thing lasts a couple of months. There's going to be millions of foreclosures, millions of people who were in a good spot, who were making good money, who just lost their job so instantly the way that I lost my job. And there's going to be people scared. How am I going to be able to pay the mortgage? How am I going to be able to live? How am I going to be able to feed my kids and feed my family? And Bank of America is going to foreclose and they're going to own a lot of flipping houses, guys. It's so terrifying to me. And it's so terrifying that they weren't clear with that. Um, the one final part I wanted to get into, and then I'll then I'll leave for the day because it's been a long podcast, was, um, as I mentioned in the beginning of my podcast, I actually got kind of blocked from Twitter uh, yesterday because I was liking and retweeting so much B of A crap because of something that happened organically about 1 o'clock my time uh, yesterday or Wednesday, if, if you will. So, you know, been watching TV, been seeing Governor Cuomo's coronavirus updates. And I wanted to say it on the podcast, Governor Cuomo's coronavirus updates reminded me of a Bank of America Friday sales meeting. His PowerPoint presentations, the way that he writes words on the PowerPoint, his charts and graphs and everything, man, that reminds me of Bank of America trying to motivate me for a Friday sales day. In a weird way, it creeps me out, but in a weird, weird way, I like it. So good for him for bringing visuals, because visuals always help everything. You know, I've seen the president's talks about it, but I didn't see what was going on. I had seen it on Twitter saying, hey, the mayor, excuse me, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, was going to have a speech. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And I was just kind of doing my normal stuff on Twitter, looking at, um, just seeing who was talking about Bank of America. And I hit refresh, as I tend to do every five minutes. I was on my desktop computer. And I went from uh, like three unread, and I hit refresh in just that short time, to 120 unread. I'm like, what the hell happened? I was like, did Brian Moynihan have a heart attack? Did he have coronavirus? Did Bank of America go under? Like, it just happened so instantly. The Twitter world is so fast, guys. So all of a sudden, I was like, what the hell is going on? And I saw Gavin Newsom, Bank of America. I was like, what does that mean? So Gavin Newsom... Um, actually talked to all the major banks. He talked to U.S. Bank, he talked to Chase, he talked to Citi, he talked to Wells Fargo even, and they all agreed to a 90-day deferral of payments for people in the state of California. I'll be defensive to Bank of America on this one slightly. I didn't understand what Gavin Newsom meant by that. I don't know if that means, hey, you're going to have to pay a lump sum in three months, like Bank of America mentioned, or 90 days without no payments and you get back to a normal payment three months from now. 
he was pretty vague about that. But he mentioned, he said, Chase, Wells Fargo, City, and U.S. Bank uh, have agreed to a 90-day um, deferral. Uh, the only one who didn't was Bank of America. They would only offer to do 30 days. So we hope that Bank of America gets on track. I saw that. I flipped out. I was like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. I just, I just couldn't believe it. Um, I'm going to actually play the audio for you. Give me one second while I cue that up on my mobile phone. Uh, that Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, uh, City, and J.P. Morgan Chase uh, have all agreed to 90-day uh, waiver of payments for those that have been impacted by COVID-19. And that's an important point to make. Uh, it is significant uh, that we have some consistency. It's significant that we don't have a patchwork one bank to another. That's what happened in 2008. Credit unions doing one thing, banks doing another, state banks doing something altogether different. So we wanted to engage our nation's largest banks uh, and see if we can create some continuity, some consistency across their ranks. And four of the five largest institutions committed to just that, that 90-day. Unfortunately, Bank of America did not publicly commit to that. They just committed to 30 days. I hope they will reconsider and join uh, those other banks uh, that are willing to do the right thing by at least extending that commitment uh, to their customers uh, for 90 days. Holy crap. <laughs> My Twitter blew up like no one's business after that was on there. I had never seen so many people free. I, Bank of America has done a lot of weird crap. Since I started Why Your Bank Sucks. Bank of America has done so much stuff since, hell, since I worked there. And I was there when the bailouts happened. And Twitter wasn't really around yet, so I didn't really see, like, how the people talked about it in real time. Because it really wasn't a method. But holy crap. What Gavin Newsom said was a very Bank of America thing to do to Bank of America. Let me explain. So I mentioned the PowerPoints that Cuomo does and how they're very Friday sales meeting-ish for Bank of America. That's a Friday sales meeting thing, too, that Gavin Newsom did, where he didn't really scold Bank of America, but usually on the Friday sales meeting PowerPoint, they'll have the percentage to goals that all the bankers would have. So I would say, like, Johnny has 102% to his goal. He's going to fund it as a big green light. And then here's Mary. She has 98%. She's a yellow light. She's almost to 100 James Baca, 84%, big giant red light. But everyone who's a banker sees what everyone else is doing, so it makes them hungry to like maybe want to, you know, kind of have a friendly competition, make make sales contests within and all that stuff. So basically, like, you know, you had, I had 29 bankers, I think, at one point in my region, and I was always in the green for the most part. I would say probably 25 of the 29, I was fine. Uh, four times were kind of sketchy, and I'll I've gotten into that before on the podcast and in my book. But, you know, basically say, well, as you can see, Johnny here is really doing well. Mary doing well as well. Derek is doing pretty good. We got Jennifer. Um, she's She looks like she's going to fund. Um, but as you see, you know, we have 29 bankers. And it looks like 27 of them are really doing what they can to make sure that they're engaging the customer. They make sure that they're really doing a good job taking notes and they're making sure that they sell them that second checking account or they have a credit card or a home loan referral from that. So 27 of the 29 people are doing really, really amazing. People are looking at that PowerPoint going, who is 28 and 29? Oh, it's James. 
man, James is usually so good. What the hell happened? So basically, you just get publicly shamed. And it's all your peers. It's all 20-some-odd people, your peers that do the same job as you. All know that you suck. And all know that you're crap. And the manager, your branch manager, who's not your boss, but, you know, you're in it together with them. They see that and they go, what am I going to do? James isn't going to fund. He's not going to hit his goals. So basically, they're calling out the manager, too, whenever they put you on the, hey, you suck list. <laughs> but to have a some that was a Bank of America thing to do. They just basically, well, we talked to Bank of America, but they only committed to this much. So we really hope they get on, on track. Hundreds, if not thousands of tweets. I got locked out about 2 o'clock in the morning. They said that I had too many likes, too many replies, and too many retweets. That apparently there's a combination that you can't hit. And I hit it. So for three days, I can't overtly like posts. I can rarely retweet. So I'm doing a lot of screenshot and shares. And I'm trying not to comment just random like, Amen or good for you. I'm trying to have some actual text into like what I'm saying. Like some actual breadth to it. That way it looks like I am bringing something to the table, you know what I mean? Instead of just spamming people. Because that's what they said. They said it was spam, and it wasn't. So, seeing how that blew up on Twitter, and I'm still seeing things about it, about how Bank of America said that. And I had to- I've talked to so many actors. I've talked to so many musicians in the last day. I was talking to a CEO of a company in San Francisco. These are people I would never talk to otherwise. Uh, I got to... Um, get a follow from my director friend James Bresak so shout out to him if he's listening on there um, talking to Yashar Ali Huffington Post you know he was the one that shared that I mean I'm talking to these people who mean something to this world and I thought it was really really cool but James Corden the talk show host the one who hosts the CBS talk show um, he had tweeted at Bank of America saying hey what's the deal with this Bank of America what's going on Bank of America News, at B of A underscore News. Usually a, tw- a Twitter account that's just a bunch of BS. Hey, learn about our new home loan offers. Learn about this and that. It's just basically just a sales tool for Bank of America. B of A News responded. I think it was B of A Help who accidentally logged into B of A News and said, Hey, whoa, James, just to let you know, we are committed to helping people with coronavirus. I'll send the link for this in the show notes. And then they give him a link saying, explaining the deferments and how they're helping based on that press release BS that I was talking to you about. And then everyone's like, okay, oh, it's just a big misunderstanding. And I was pleading with people last night, it's not a misunderstanding. They are, they're intentionally using this weird language to make you think that they're helping, but they're not. I was like, listen to me, I'm a Bank of America former manager. I used to trick people with my words. It's just a way of avoiding the truth. Some people listen, some people follow, some people didn't or whatever. I had the seventh most uh, views of my page and you know impressions and all that that I've ever had in my, pro- you know, my project, which is amazing because it just all happened in a couple of hours. But they responded to James Corden under an account that they never tweet at people at. And everyone's all oh, okay. Yeah, Bank of America, they meant it. It was just, it was just, it was bad, bad media, whatever. No, they were basically just trying to blow smoke up your, you know what? It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I was just crying, 
to just have someone listen to me saying they're lying to you, James Corden. And apparently James Corden's a little bit too famous for the notorious banker at the moment. Hopefully I'll get to the point where he'll listen to me. Hopefully I'll get more followers and even more credibility. But they were they were flaunting that, hey, yeah, we do offer deferments. You know, people can apply and on a case-by-case basis they can get approved for approved for the fact that in four months they're going to owe four months of payments when they're not working. Give me a freaking break, Bank of America. Before I go, I had a, a DM from uh, a teller friend of mine in L.A., and I wanna I wanna read it verbatim here because it's just really it's just really wrong. So you know I talked about the hazard pay about how Bank of America was giving an extra two hundred dollars a check uh, to people who work in the branch and Chase was doing it. Wells Fargo was doing some of the things like that too. So I'm gonna read what this person said about the two hours free, which leads to the two hundred dollars a check thing. So my manager took away our two hours free pay. She shifted our schedule so we don't get the benefits of it and started yelling at us that we should be grateful that she's letting us work or we can quit if we don't like it. Friday we are going to HR. And I freaked out and I said a lot of four-letter words. I was like, who the, was that? Was that everyone who got that? And he says, well, from what I know, it's just our branch. And I was like, no, that sounds like corporate to me. And then um, said that she said the manager... Said instead of getting the two hours which corporate is providing, we have to work for it, which I didn't understand. But I I think that the two hours of like hazard pay that they're getting, they have to code like the the branches. Like let's say the branch store number is one two three four. Whenever you're doing your timesheet, it's like where is your hours coming from? Store one two three four. And whenever they give you extra something extra, you have to put a different what they call a cost center. So let's just say it's three four five six. So from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. going to 3, 4, 5, 6. The reason that I know this is because when I when I traveled to Texas for my job, it wasn't my boss that was paying me. It was the boss of that place in Texas that was paying me. So basically, you, you're getting this pay, but you're getting it from a different account, if you will. They're paying you out of a different part of Bank of America. So whenever um, they said, hey, well... All of a sudden, the two hours that they offered saying, hey, we got to be on the schedule for it. And they took us off the schedule. So, and I said, that's BS. And then the person said, she's allowing the full-time staff, which is my former role, to get it. But she took away this from all the part-time people, all the tellers. So she went in the system and changed all of our schedules. By the way, there was a class action lawsuit for that several years ago. So it looks like we leave at four instead of six, so none of us can get the benefits. And then the person goes, in my eyes, it's like if corporate is giving this to us, why are you taking it away from us? Why not show compassion to your workers? It's not coming out of your pocket. What's crazy was in a million years of doing, you know, wire bank sucks, notorious banker. I never thought, I, I was afraid of Bank of America employees and how they, they kind of felt about me. Although I've told you I've had some pretty prominent people talk to me who have worked in Bank of America's, you know, they're under the employment of Bank of America still to this day. I, I I had a few, but I didn't think that I would be so overwhelmingly supported. Everyone is sharing this information about this is why work sucks today and here's why. And I'm trying to give them guidance. I'm trying to be a big brother to them. I'm trying to say, hey, this is what happens whenever this happens. You can't, you can't They can't say this to you. Go to HR or do this because it's just wrong. And I have so many people who go through that. 
who tell me all these things. And I say, well, I don't know what to tell you. I said, it's just, it's a bad situation. But I I mentioned this person, this teller in California, uh, for one reason only. My God, Bank of America, if you screw these part-time employees nationwide out of the $200 a check that you did the press release on, I'm just I'm just firing a warning shot here. If you screw those people out of the money knowing that you don't even let them put freaking gloves on, that you can't let them spray Lysol in their station because you're afraid someone might get sick from the Lysol smell, the fact of the matter is that you're ordering lunch for them, but you're not telling them what they're what you're ordering, like it's a freaking school cafeteria for God's sakes. That yeah, social distancing is all well and good for the customers, but when they get up to your window, they're not practicing social distancing with you, and that you're still getting bitched at because not, because the the bank's not hitting their sales goal. Guys, that's wrong. I'm just saying it right now. If I hear a couple of more stories like that, it's already going in the book. This thing right away. If I hear a couple more stories like that. I will. I, I have a lot of resources in the media now, thank God. Uh, there's so many people that I've talked to, so many people that i met. I'm hoping one of them is going to do the James Baca story, the whole notorious banker story, do 5,000 words, You know, have a platform for me to sell this book, to have a platform for me to talk about what I do uh, and why I love doing it. So I'm, you know, there's about four or five really good reporters out there that have reached out to me, and some of them are from huge newspapers. One of them is a freelance writer. One of them is from Bloomberg. I mean, I don't want to say names and stuff, but I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm amazed at the um, at the project that I created. I guess um, there was someone from the Wall Street Journal that contacted me a year and three months ago, and I'm like, I have 50 followers. I'm just like, let's wait till I get bigger. Let's wait till this thing works out. Well, I got 2,200 pretty much now, so where are you at? Let me speak to the world because this is happening. Bank of America, if you burn these people out of their money, I will I will find it. Find a way to get into a major media outlet and tell them that you're burning your employees. You're getting them sick because of sales reasons and you're burning your employees, so you, you better not be doing that. Just saying. And it just seemed funny, by the way, that all of this... Mortgage Gavin Newsom stuff happened yesterday, and I've literally not seen any other complaints about Bank of America except for the Gavin Newsom thing, which almost made me conspiracy theory think of like, hey, did Bank of America accidentally say something weird on purpose to kind of hide the fact that their employees are bitching out Bank of America on Twitter, that their customers are bitching out Bank of America on Twitter for even being open and for potentially getting them sick? Crazy conspiracy theories by James, but I don't want to get there yet. I'm just saying, Bank of America, you screw these part-time people out of their little hazard pay that you promised them. So help me God, I will find a way to scream to the high heels. There's only one person who did it. It's a person that I trust, but I want to make sure that I get a couple more people on board who talk about it. And then then we're going to talk. Whether it's a bank doing crap like that that I just mentioned, whether it's a former CEO saying that, Hey, you know, some people need to die in order to get the banks up and running, get the country up and running again. Whether it's a company using um, kind of, hey, hold up words, like case-by-case basis, and people can defer, people can request. When you have a bank who does a press release late at night to all the news outlets, and the news outlets flood the internet with hey look how good bank of america is doing when in reality they didn't actually do anything that they didn't offer before already 
when you put people on hold for four hours, when you tell them that they don't have a job, so you'll help them out. But three months from now, you owe us four months of rent, four months mortgage, whatever. You see all that, and you see a very long freaking podcast, and I have just told you a lot of the reasons why your bank sucks. Guys, my name is James Baca. I'll be right back to wrap it up right after this. Please stick around. All right, guys, I'm back. Patreon.com slash NotoriousBanker. Um, we had Amber donate $15 a month to Patreon. I'm so thankful and grateful for that. It's an amazing, generous tip that you provided. And uh, there will be a time where we talk about uh, the Notorious Banker's relationship with Amber, but it's not going to be yet. Um, thank you so much for that. It means a lot. I'm going to be able to eat. I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to be able to help people. I th- you know, I thank you for all that you do. Patreon, we are up to about $120 a month in donations. Thank you so much for that, guys. That pays a couple of bills. If you can find it in your heart to donate a dollar, two dollars, five, ten, twenty, whatever your heart desires, as long as it doesn't impact you in this time of need, please donate it to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. Once again, the habit of actually starting to post these um, extra podcasts, I'll do that. I do want to start writing on a kind of case-by-case basis using Bank of America's terminology. Um, Just little tips and tricks on there. I want want to give people an incentive, and it sounds like Bank of America again. God, I need to shake myself with these B of A words. Um, Give people an incentive to say, hey, you know what? I trust this guy. I trust James. He's good at what he does, and he's entertaining as hell, and he's fighting the good fight. Patreon.com slash banker, please do so. Uh, 575-322-4127 if you have any comments, questions, uh, reviews of any banks on the Wire Bank Sucks request line. JamesandNotoriousBanker.com. I'm also going to have some merch coming up and a book coming very soon. I'm on page 239, hoping to get to 300, get it published, wait for my stimulus check, do some really good... Uh, designing of the book and then publish that son of a bitch and hopefully make money otherwise i'm going to be talking to you from taco bell one of these days so uh, please find in your heart to support the notorious banker in any way possible i really appreciate it but um since it's thursday going into friday i will be back probably monday or tuesday with another podcast probably more coronavirus news sad to say but if there's anything else that pops up of course you know i'll put a podcast up as soon as possible so once again thank you so very much for this my name is james baca and i just told you why your bank sucks talk to you soon guys have a good day bye